Welcome back everyone to season four of the Kelly Mental Health Podcast located in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Throughout this season, CEO Linda Kelly will be chatting with people from many walks of life across the world about a variety of mental health and wellness topics. Please keep in mind that this is not a substitution for counseling. If you would like to talk to a licensed therapist, please visit us at www.kellymentalhealth.com. All right. Welcome back to the Kelly Mental Health Podcast. I'm Linda Kelly, and I'm here with a special guest, Bree. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So you and I have uh, definitely connected about something in particular, and I think it was sort of late in life that each of us learned about it and then realized that we both struggle with this kind of thing. And it's not just uh, society changing. It's not just expectations changing. It's actually something going on in our heads. So Bree, do you want to just start us off and what are we talking about today? Yeah, for sure. So Linda actually asked me um, to come on the podcast today and talk about ADHD, um, specifically adult ADHD um, in women, as well as um, imposter syndrome. So we're going to talk about both of those topics today. And I think it'll be a really good conversation. um, Because like, like you said, I found out about this later in life and looking back in my childhood specifically, I can see, you know, maybe that wasn't just anxiety that I was experiencing. Maybe it was just a symptom of something else, right? So, um, and later in life, I realized, especially going through school and how ADHD and imposter syndrome can go hand in hand. And yeah, so that's what we're gonna be talking about today. Absolutely. And, you know, I do talk about ADHD often flippantly, dismissively, because I found out about my own issues later in life. But if, if you look at my old report cards, it's Linda daydreams, Linda marches to the beat of her own drum. Linda doesn't go out for recess because she has to finish what she's doing. And so this is the kind of stuff that teachers will often overlook, especially with Actually. girls, because mm-hmm. girls present, uh, present with ADHD symptoms far differently than guys. Um, girls tend to be more that kind of the daydreamy type, the, um, creative kind of, I mean, my dad used to call me an airhead, (laughs) um, but we're less, less likely to be hyperactive. Whereas Mm -hmm. boys usually present with more of the energy and then, you know, they're bouncing off the walls. So what was your journey and your experience in realizing these issues uh, that were happening for you? Yeah, so it's kind of funny because the the very first time I realized, oh, maybe I do have ADHD was from a TikTok video actually <laughs> that my friend sent me, which is super silly to say, but it it's it's just kind of started that conversation and having that conversation with her because she also has it. And then we started talking and I was just like, oh my goodness, this might be me. So then I started researching and researching and I was on a roll for probably a solid two weeks trying to figure out, you know, is this me? Isn't this me? And, you know, you don't want to self-diagnose. I'm not diagnosed. I'm in the process of hopefully getting diagnosed to um, later help me with some of the symptoms uh, with counseling and whatnot. But, um, you know, going through all of those different symptoms that um, she was experiencing, like the rejection uh, sensitivity, I think it's called. Um, Dysphoria, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, you know, the distractibility, um, the hyper-focus, like when I'm focused on, you know, um, something of interest, as you can see plants behind me, (laughs) focused on something, that's all I can think about. And when I, and the other symptoms too, and when I started to really take a look back at my childhood, 
I was like, oh my goodness. I think anxiety was just a symptom of ADHD because looking back, I was, I enjoyed school, but I would always want to go home. Like I didn't like staying at school. Um, I was always homesick. Um, and even in, you know, or even in high school and university, it was, you know, a struggle for me sometimes to um, get through three hour classes. I'd have to be on my phone or I'd have to be doing something else or it took me a long time to focus. Um, but I thought it was just anxiety. And then I think that when I, when I look back and realize, okay, it might actually be more than anxiety, right? Um, and I think that's how it kind of spiraled into, you know, me researching things so much now and just waiting to see um, for an assessment just to see and have, um, you know, an actual psychiatrist perspective on what's, what's going on. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. So it's like you, just by chance, you learned about this stuff. It came up in a TikTok video and then it was just something clicked. Yeah. Something clicked. Um, and then I did some online assessments too, like one specific to women. And I couldn't believe how many I actually, um, you know, we're, we're relating to and just talking with you and then talking with uh, actually a few other friends who got also got diagnosed later in life. Um, I've come to realize, you know, this is probably me and it really fit with what was going on um, with, you know, the symptoms that I was experiencing. And the reason, another reason why I knew that it might be something different is because I am on SSRIs. I am on uh, SSRIs for anxiety. I'm not as anxious anymore that those like, you know, panic symptoms aren't there as much anymore. Like obviously, you know, if I'm stressed or something, it happens, but it's not an everyday occurrence anymore, but I'm still experiencing these other symptoms. What are those symptoms and where are they coming from? Right. Um, so what I thought was anxiety is probably something different. And that's when this whole ADHD thing started. So. Yeah. That's the challenge, right? That's sort of differential diagnoses. There can be things that fit or even at a certain part of your life, it fits so well and then it changes or, you know, you rule it out. <laughs> and, sure. yeah. yeah. So it can be really difficult. And it, you know, it's interesting because, you know, you found out that way. Um, I found out cause I was accused of it. <laughs> yeah. I was actually, no, I mean, uh, in a, in sort of a humorous way, it was actually my boss that mentioned it to me. However, my boss at the time was a clinical psychologist. So she gets a pass for <laughs> saying that. Yeah. <laughs> and she herself actually struggled with the same and was medicated with it. Um, and it's a pretty common thing for, uh, for women to be misdiagnosed or completely fly under the radar and yet still be very successful, but privately, often to be a bit of a wreck. And I, I say that not to be demeaning to anybody that's going through stuff like this, but I mean, you look at some people that have, you think made it really far in life and underneath it all, they are struggling with this feeling of, I have no clue what I'm doing. Uh, I lose interest in stuff so quickly. I get super focused on stuff that doesn't matter. So it's, it's really difficult. They can do a number on your self-esteem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that was part of the part of the issue too, is because I was so good at, you know, at school and university level, like, because I really wanted to focus on on social work and whatnot. Um, give me one second, my cats are causing
So yeah, I was really good at school. Um, I was really good at, you know, <laughs> um, I was really good at, you know, um, focusing on school and specifically social work because that was what I wanted to study. So I hyper-focused on that. And even though I would still get distracted, I still got good grades. I still, you know, got first class standing. You know, I started working right at a university and it kind of just kept going that way. And then, you know, eventually I realized, you know, all of those perfectionistic things that I would try to be, but never succeeded at, it just was kind of a, a, a snowball effect. So, yeah. Oh, hello. Who's this? Hi, this is Rocket. Hi, Hi Rocket. Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you were able to pull the good grades. Now, what were your study habits like? Were you like a crammer? Yeah. I was a crammer. Um, I had to write notes four or five times for me to even get it to sink into my brain. Um, I would handwrite notes. I would type notes. I would record, um, sometimes record the, the lectures. So I tried to do all these different things because it also coming with the anxiety, I was super perfectionistic um, or tried to be, I should say. And it almost set me up for failure in the sense of, you know, um, I'm trying to do all of these different things, but something is still not clicking. And it took me a long time to be able to actually study. Like, I felt like I was doing way more work than my classmates, if that makes sense, you know, mm -hmm. way harder than my classmates and, you know, you know, only sleeping four or five hours a night because I felt I needed to, to keep cramming and cramming before, before the, uh, you know, assignments were due or the tests were due. And, um, looking back at that now, I was like, yeah, I probably had ADHD, right? Wow. Yeah. But also a very, you know, high effort. That sounds mm -hmm. like, you know, because some people, uh, for whatever reason, they they struggle so much with that attention and uh, being able to commit to any task that is uninteresting that they just kind of say, okay, you know what? I can't, I can't do it. Forget it. I mean, in, in my case, it was much more like, I will wait till the last minute because it has to be urgent. Otherwise I can't hyper-focus. Oh, I see. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. And whereas with my, my situation, um, it was more, I was just trying so, 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 so hard to get through it that I would work unbelievably hard because I didn't want, I guess, see myself as a failure, but it's, and, and the reason why for that is because I was so interested in that topic. Like if I'm not interested in a topic, like don't, I'm, I'm not listening to you, right? It's just, it goes one ear and out the other. And I try really hard um, to do, to try to fix that. But I think it's just a process and trying to learn, you know, how to, you know, actively listen when it's a topic that you're not interested in um, and how to really hone in on that. So it's mm -hmm. just a difficult sometimes, but um, you know, I'm doing a lot better now that I'm realizing, you know, that this might be ADHD. Mm -hmm. So you, you haven't uh, been medicated for ADHD at this point, right? No, no, okay. no I haven't. Okay. Not yeah. Cause that could, that itself can be quite the journey, like trying to find what works a lot of times what happens uh, at least in, you know, in my own experience is they'll try to go with a non-stimulant, something like Stratera, um, which can be really helpful for some others. It doesn't, doesn't quite help. Uh, then you go over to the stimulant medications, which is typically things like 
Adderall, Concerta, uh, Vyvanse is very, very big now. Um, and so the, the issue with some of these is that they kind of, they're kind of like caffeine, right? In that they help you to organize your thoughts because ADHD is not actually an attentional issue. It's not an like attention span issue. It's an executive functioning issue. So we're talking about things like I can only focus when things are so urgent that, I mean, the, the wall's about to come down kind of thing. Like it is so urgent. It is an emergency. And then all of a sudden, bam, bam, bam. I can whip through so many things faster than anybody I know. But if things are not urgent, I am paralyzed. paralyzed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think I've had this conversation with some of my friends who are on stimulants and they said it was the best thing that they ever did. And it was interesting talking to them about it. And I'm like, do you guys even get an effect from caffeine? Like when you drink coffee, do you feel energized? And they said, no. And I'm the same way. I drink it out of habit, but I could drink four or five cups a day. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't get the jitters like other people get. Mm -hmm. And that maybe, you know, that might be something that I might look at in the future. I'm still trying to weigh the pros and cons of that, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an option for sure. It, you know, and you're right. And some people, particularly uh, women with ADHD, they tend to actually use caffeine as a tool, even if they're not even realizing it. Um, I noticed that when I am medicated on certain days and I can't, I can't take it every day because I get headaches. Um, but when I do take medication, I am so on the problem is sometimes I'm so on with the unimportant things. And that is another negative side effect that you can now create this sort of organization. You can create a commitment to stuff that doesn't matter. Like with me, it's Excel spreadsheets. It's the worst. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, Excel's my bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, people no, people are like, why though? And I'm like, cause I had to. <laughs> it was important. Well, and, and that's a good point too. And it kind of sidetracks me into thinking like my, my husband is so funny. He's like, Why are you focusing so much on this thing? Like, can't you just sit down and like watch dinner with or like watch dinner? Oh my goodness, watch TV with me or eat dinner with me. It's like, no, this thing that I'm doing now has to be done now, and then I will eat dinner and then I will watch like watch TV. And then it's two hours later and my dinner's cold. It's like once you get focused on that one thing, even if it's not productive, you're just focused and you have to finish that task. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't do it now, it's not gonna get done. Right. And that may be the only dopamine rush that you get throughout the day, because for the most part, we're not really allowed to, in our day-to-day life, decide how we're going to spend our time. You know, we are devoted to work. We are devoted to responsibilities. And so sometimes it happens to be, okay, I'm organizing this cupboard and I don't take, I don't care if it takes me all night. It's happening. (laughs) Exactly. Or even with cleaning, it's like, I don't want to say I'm a messy person, but I am a disorganized person at home. And when I realize, you know, oh my goodness, I need to vacuum. Oh my goodness, I need to do the dishes. Oh my goodness. And then you kind of get that panic state and then you just do it all in like four hours and then it's mm-hmm. done and it's trash, right? So that's kind of how I, I'm trying not to do that as much anymore, but that's normally how I would, how I would tackle things. And thinking back, like when I was super, super anxious too and actively in my anxiety, that's how I would function. Like I was on like a stress, dopamine high all the time and then I crash but I didn't understand it I thought it was just a stress response or anxiety but looking back I think it was symptoms of ADHD 
Um, but again, I'm not diagnosed yet and I'm not, you know, wanting to self-diagnose, which is why it was nice to have a conversation with you and conversations with some of my friends about those topics. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I was going to ask, you know, as you're talking about the, uh, oh my gosh, I'm losing my words. <laughs> I know. See, there you go. Squirrel. Um, and again, I don't mind me if I joke about it. It's kind of just a way of life for me at this point, because at least at this point, it doesn't hurt me as much as it used to, but I can candidly share that there's a lot of times, even, you know, people might look at me and think that I've been pretty successful, but there's a lot of days where I feel like a sack of garbage because, you know, I'm not as good as, as other people at, I don't know, organizing and planning and thinking far ahead. Like I, I, I get a haircut once a year during non COVID times because I can't book that far ahead. I can't think that far ahead. And so it can really, you know, make you feel almost less than other people. My question was, it just came back to me. How does it feel for you when someone sort of tells you just to get on a routine? Like how, how do you react to routine? To routine? Um, I'd like to think I'm trying to, you know, make a routine and try to get things in order, but sometimes I'm just flying by the seat of my pants. That's kind of how I feel anyway, I should say. Um, Without my phone and without calendars, I am lost. I am like a puppy just like walking outside completely lost from its owner. Like that's kind of how I explain it. And it's like, I just don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing without like, actually actively putting things in my phone for alarms and that kind of thing and actually following them right um and then another thing too is like always being driven by a motor like I saw I heard that that um topic I think when I was doing my research always being driven by a motor and your thoughts just not stopping it's not necessarily that they're anxious it's just you're always having thoughts that just keep coming and coming and coming and coming Um, and I realized that specifically because now that I'm medicated for anxiety, those thoughts are still happening, but I'm not anxious anymore, but it's still happening. So what's, you know, what's the deal with that? Um, but going back to the routine thing, I track, um, going back to the routine thing, it's just, you know, that's the one thing that I've found works is just putting those alarms in, putting things in my calendar and actually actively looking at it if I don't and I don't put it in my calendar it's gone and I'm not going to do it or I'm not going to call that person or do that task and I think that's the one thing that's really helped me is that specific organization so I I agree that actually um having the phone with the calendars that sync up all over the place that a total game changer it was incredible um there's sometimes with um Now this is kind of getting more to like, how do, what do we do about this? But one of the things I have noticed too, is that if I keep it super simple and I just pop it in the calendar and schedule it, I will be on track. But if I try to use those more uh, sophisticated project management things like Asana or there's monday.com, there's lots of those little, what I'll do is I will spend two, maybe three, four days entering literally everything in my life into these things. I'll do a couple things and then I will never look at it again. And mm-hmm. soon enough, it'll just be old and it'll be a to-do list that I can't do anything with because I'm like, yeah, none of this is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Have sure. you had any experience with those kind of systems, like trying different organizational systems? 
Um, not really. Um, I found for me, Google Calendar really works well because mm -hmm. it syncs with everything. And actually I got a brand new phone, which is an Apple phone. And I used to have Samsung. When I got my Apple phone, I had nothing in there because my Google Calendar didn't sync up. So the, for the first little while, I was trying to figure out, oh my goodness, when are my appointments? When are my phone calls? <laughs> ah, and I was kind of panicking that way. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah. So once I figured out how to get Google Calendar back on my phone, then I was like, okay, I can breathe now. All of my stuff is there. I have my alarms in place. But other than that, I, you know, I would handwrite notes a lot, but then I'd lose the notes. But now I actually tack them to my wall sometimes. Like I have a bulletin board over in the corner there. I'll tack them to my wall. Um, but honestly, I haven't really tried anything different. I just figured that that, that works best for me. So mm -hmm. yeah. sometimes uh, things like that, like trying, trying out new organizational systems or even just figuring out what to wear, they can cause like your mental energy to be depleted and I'm curious how that has affected you in terms of that mental energy that paralysis and decision making has that come up for you yes absolutely so I always now I always get my outfit ready say for work the night before if I'm trying to figure out what I'm wearing what I have to eat for breakfast what I have to you know bring for lunch you know letting the dog out you know feeding everybody my brain just cannot process all of that stuff. So I have to try my best to do one thing at a time. Otherwise it, I'll spiral, right? And I'll just get way too overwhelmed. And I think overwhelmed is, the, is a good word is your brain just constantly feels overwhelmed. Um, and, you know, taking a minute to breathe and really focus, okay, Brie, what are you doing right now? What is the one thing you need to do at this very moment and kind of trying to be regimented that way in your brain um, but my husband always tells me like, you ask for your phone and your glasses like 10 times a day. <laughs> like you just, it's just, it's just part of it. Right. So. Mm -hmm. I've often felt that, you know, it's similar to the strategies used by someone who is, is blind, right? It's yeah. best to just choose a spot and never deviate from that spot. It just, you know, this is where the glasses go. These are where the keys go. Um, make it permanent and don't try to fix it. Make it better. Don't be perfectionistic about it. It's just needs to be there. So I never have to think about it. And same with my clothes, right? Sometimes I cannot devote the mental energy to figuring out what feels best this morning because nothing does. Right. I totally agree. Yeah. Even, even down to like um, the mental, like, I don't think people realize the mental energy it takes to just do one simple task or to do one simple thing. And again, I thought this was anxiety. I thought this was just something people had when they were anxious. But now that I have, I'm on the medication and whatnot, I still struggle for me. Like it's still that overwhelming feeling of, you know, I have to, you know, do all these A, B, C, D, and E in the morning. And it's just, and then I, sometimes I just shut down and don't do any of it. Right. Um, but that, you know, experience of still trying to focus is, is hard. Like trying to force yourself to focus is mental energy in and of itself, especially when you have all of those, the, the running train of thought in your head. And once I started to realize that I was like, man, I am 1000%. I have ADHD and I was get, like, I'm, I'm convinced that I do. And I don't want to self-diagnose, but it's just, it's just interesting to, to look back on your life and realize, you know, this could have been avoided, right? Some of the things that that happened. Right. So mm -hmm. 
I come across a lot of parents that are very hesitant to medicate their children that are diagnosed with ADHD. They're concerned that it's going to change them, that it's unfair. Actually, I, I myself, my, my son is diagnosed. He's been diagnosed twice. And I didn't like to put him on the medications because first of all, he hated taking the pills, even if I just like opened up the little capsule and no, he knew it was there. Uh, he yeah. hated it. Um, but it would inspire such a strong focus in him for a period of time that it was like his sweet little silly personality went away. And that can be sort of a side effect. I, I noticed that with people. And so on one hand, it's so difficult because in some ways you're, this is, this is again, it is a disorder of the brain. It is an executive functioning disorder. It most likely will create so many unnecessary challenges for people in school and in work. So it's a disservice to deny someone a medication that would correct it. But on the other hand, the world needs people like this. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And I think too, when the medications first came out, like doctors were over prescribing those medications. And then we see, you know, people that were not, that didn't have ADHD on these medications. And I've watched documentaries about it before. So it's, 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 it's hard to try to find that balance, I think, because on one end, it could be really destroying your life. But on the other end, you know, those creative processes could be completely, you know, destroyed if you're on those kinds of medications. So um, finding that balance between, you know, getting, getting the counseling or the therapy to try to help, you know, focus your energy and, you know, trying to process what ADHD means for you. And at the same time, trying to manage those, those symptoms, right? I wish that there was a perfect drug that would be out there to not have to break down that creative side of it, right? But it's unfortunate that we're not there yet, I don't think. No. And I, I suppose, I mean, they, the different, the drugs are being off or on them. They, you can, I like to tell people when they struggle with this to try to ride the wave. So what I've noticed with a lot of people that struggle with attentional issues or like this is that they're on or they're off and there is no in between you are utterly obsessed or you're completely disinterested. And so it's usually during the points where we are down, we're disinterested and we're, we're not engaged. Those are the times where we can actually experience sense of depression and feeling badly about ourselves. But what I tell people is ride the wave, use this time to let your batteries completely recharge. If you have to stay in bed for a day and just like watch Grey's Anatomy <laughs> over and over, yeah. do it because your energy is going to come back. You are going to all of a sudden get inspired and that you know, that hyper-focus is going to take over. So just ride it and let it happen. And so, but that's usually as well, it's unmedicated. It's your body sort of natural ebb and flow, which is a little bit different from people that do better on routine people that are sort of consistent moderators. Like For sure. I envy them. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I try to be that way, but sometimes it's just if I get focused on something, it's out the window, whatever I was going to be doing five minutes later. And, you know, just to go back with what you were saying, um, you know, about um, just the medication and, and trying to figure out, you know, that ebb and flow and, and whatnot. And I think once we realize it's, it's part of us and kind of accepting that it's part of us and not judging, 
that that side of us and you know trying not to have those negative thoughts about oh you know i'm just i'm stupid and i'm forgetful and all those negative things that we can say to ourselves i think it's you know kind of a turning point and just really like you said like joking about it like oh squirrel like just joking about it and kind of that's the way to cope with with kind of what we're going through and i think i'm at that point now um, now that I've been researching it a lot and trying to be more kind and compassionate with some of the things that I experience, it's really started to to kind of change my perspective on kind of this journey of, um, I guess, journey of self-discovery. Because um, I feel like I'm, you know, finally figuring out who I actually am and, um, you know, why I did the things that I did. And it's just, it's just a neat journey to be on. That sounds awesome. Like just yeah. that, it takes a lot of courage to do that. Um, introspection and, you know, gaining this insight about yourself and taking steps to make things better. For sure. Absolutely. And I think like to kind of go into the next topic that we were going to talk about the imposter syndrome, how they kind of go hand in hand. And I never realized that they went hand in hand until again, I started to look it up. It's like, okay, you know, this is the reason why I was always feeling like I was or this is the reason why I feel, you know, I'm not, you know, equipped to do the job that I do, for example, even though I've, you know, have lists of training, I've been to university and um, people tell me like my mom's like, oh, Brie, you're so smart or you're so intellectual about certain topics. But sometimes I don't feel that way. And um, I think they go hand in hand in that sense. Um, but yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Do you notice that imposter syndrome sort of general among the population or do you find it more you know in specific people that have issues like this I'm not sure um I mean I was looking up kind of some some statistics and stuff um about imposter syndrome lots of the people who experience it are in the helping professions I figured out um like the social work in the helping professions people who you know have higher education levels like I was talking to one of my friends who has been doing therapy for years and years and years and still experiences imposter syndrome and what that's about. It could be, you know, maybe it's because we want to help our clients so much that we just keep on educating, but we don't feel like we're ever going to be enough to fully help everybody and coming to the realization that that's something that we have to accept. Right. But I'm not too sure. Like, I feel like everybody might have a, a little, you know, tidbit of imposter syndrome um, just because of the world that we live in right it's just people like the world kind of sets us up to say you know you're not enough and you have to keep achieving and achieving and achieving and when we don't meet those standards it's you know we can feel like we're fake or we're you know kind of going through the motions or we're an imposter in our own in our own body and um yeah so Mm -hmm. I, I so agree with what you said about just, it's the world that we live in. It's uh, these impossible standards that were put up to. I mean, truly a lot of us, we look up to people that are characters on TV. They are written characters. These are not real people. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, yeah, it's so hard to feel like, you know what you're doing when it's like, I don't know. I watch um, Scandal. Scandal is one of my favorite shows now that yes, it is over, but I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, go Olivia. You're awesome. And even though as, as her written character, you know, she's been to all the best boarding schools. She's, she is like, has a law degree and she has all these connections. So, I mean, this person would live a completely different life than I would. I still go, wow, I feel bad about myself because 
I don't fit into pants that small, or I feel bad about myself because I try to understand people rather than demand and make them do what I want them to do. (laughs) Right. And then we get in these like vicious cycle of thoughts that don't help us at all. And it's just something we get stuck in. And even as like helping professionals, like I have social work and I believe you have masters of social work. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we just, we're trying to help people so much that sometimes we don't help ourselves with our own thoughts. And I think that's a really important thing to note when you're getting into that mind space, especially when you're like, oh, you know, I'm just faking it. Like can't actually help this person or I can't actually counsel this person or, you know, there's no way that I could do these things. Stopping yourself and saying, no, I can. Like I can do the best that I can do with with the resources that I that I have and the schooling that I've ha- that I've had. and you know, being more kind to yourself about that. And um, I think it can be pretty paralyzing when you're actually in this imposter syndrome situation, you didn't have a a name for it or didn't understand what it actually was. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I was in school, like in university that I realized what imposter syndrome even was. So, right. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it has definitely come up for me just in uh mostly pop culture, actually, you know, it comes up more so because it's not like a diagnosed disorder or anything like that. We don't really learn about it in psychology, but it's something that comes up more as sort of pop psychology and, Mm -hmm. but there's still room for it. There's still this, this, uh, there's a benefit to understanding what it is and trying to work through it. And, uh, I mean, I don't know, I, I take a lot of comfort with the fact that I think just about everybody doesn't know what they're doing. In fact, every time (laughs) <laughs> every time I've tried to hire someone that I'm like, Hey, they're the expert. They'll be able to do this way better than me. And then I figure out that with a little bit of research, a lot of times they can't do it better than I can. First of all, that's disappointing. But second of all, it's a little comforting. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, really? I don't yeah. know how to be an accountant. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a really good thing to note too. And it, I mean, it isn't like a diagnosed disorder or any of that kind of stuff. It's just something that we've labeled as, you know, um, we're walking through life and kind of feeling like we're a fake or we're not, you know, living up to our potential. And I think that's, it's interesting that we have that and we can kind of discuss it, but it's also, you know, really, like I said, our world has just set us up to fail in that sense right where we're thinking about you know all of the things that we can achieve and achieve and achieve but we're not sitting down to be like I'm okay with where I'm at right now and who I am as a person like I don't have to have all these achievements behind my belt to actually be okay and worthy as a person right and I think that's a a western culture thing 1000 percent like I don't I'm not too sure if it's like that in other cultures around the world so be interesting to see if you know, if people around the world have imposter syndrome, like I'm just thinking, like I went to Costa Rica, for example, and the culture there is completely different. Like they don't even have mental health hospitals there, if you can believe. They don't have an army there. And it's just interesting, you know, how different it would be with different cultures if imposter syndrome or even ADHD, how it would, you know, be in, a, in different cultures. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a side tangent thought that I had, but. <laughs> no, it's true. Although, you know, I think imposter syndrome is, although the reasons for it can be more uh, Western culture kind of thing. It, I think it can come up for anyone, even just um, trying to figure out like, like a boy being raised by his parents and then trying to figure out how to be a man, you know, how do I uh, act like my father? How could I ever fill his shoes? That kind of feeling. I mean, that goes back. I mean, 
generations since probably the, um, since language existed, right? Just trying to fill those shoes. And I'm, yeah, I am often curious if anyone ever feels like they've filled those shoes. But that's an interesting thought. That's a very interesting thought. I mean, maybe in certain personality disorders or something, but you know what I mean? I don't know. That's a very interesting thought. Yeah. We started watching uh, The Sopranos last night, uh, the pilot episode, because now there is a Sopranos podcast. So I'm like, okay, so we got to do the rewatch. Yeah. And, you know, in that first episode, it's funny because here's Tony Soprano, who's obviously very rich, has a mansion. And his very first kind of opening line as he's talking to Dr. Melfi is how he has nothing. And, you know, they, people today, they've got sort of nothing to live for, you know, where his dad, his dad had his pride and his dad had his, his business. And it's interesting is, is there a disconnect where we don't realize how wealthy we are, how, how um, much we have, because we're constantly looking further ahead. Is it a disconnect or is it an emptiness inside where we feel like we're missing meaning? Like there's so much to it. Yeah. And that's a good point. And like, even sitting back and thinking, you know, that, that humility that sometimes we have to sit back and say, okay, like I have a house, I have a career, I have all of these things, A, B, C, and D. And somehow I still don't feel like, you know, I'm accomplished or um, I don't feel like I'm, you know, successful, right? That's an inter- That's a really interesting thought. And I don't know what the right answer is with that for sure. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many factors and it's difficult to narrow any of them down. And I, it would take a lot, probably a lot of medication for me to write something comprehensive about this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but, but realistically our world has changed, you know, like you talked about Western culture, uh, we are graded on our ability to sit still, to absorb information, to repeat road information back, sometimes to think creatively in a way that could make someone money. Uh, but not really to think for ourselves. That's um, a really good point. Yeah, like it. The whole system sets us up like that too, and like, and and like the the family and stuff that I grew up. My, you know, everybody wanted me to achieve, 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 and it was always about those grades and always about you know the schooling. And I think that sets us up too for you know having these ideals of what would be perfect, or you know, if I go to university, I am an accomplished person. But then once you get to university and you get those degrees, there's still some of that emptiness inside and you don't really know why. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There oh it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's, For anyone listening, to... I have a lot of animals <laughs> distracted. <right now. laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's so, I mean, if you, if you're looking for meaning in life, that sense of being an imposter, not knowing what you're doing, that that can really throw a wrench into things. And I like what you said there, just about the importance of uh, just the importance of trying to be okay with what is, because what is, is what's present. It's what's real. It's what's around you. Look at your plants, look at your dog, look at your cat. You have you in that sense are a wealthy person. You have so much, you have a job, you have education. That's more than a lot of people in the entire world will ever have. And yet there's still that struggle of, I don't know what I'm doing. It's not enough. I haven't finished yet. Exactly. 
And, you know, I always like to say to my husband and to people that know me, like, I'm a knowledge junkie. I just love learning, but sometimes at the expense of my own mental health, I will, you know, sign up for five or six courses about the one thing that I'm interested in, in that moment. And then I don't sit back to think, okay, like you need to slow down a little bit. Like you don't need to do these, these things if they're stressing you out. And I think it comes down to both me wanting to be really busy because it's part of the ADHD thing, but also me wanting to make sure that I'm keeping my skills up to date, whether that's social work, whether that's learning about plants, whether that's learning about animal behavior and all of the interests that I have. But if it's at the expense of my mental health, then it's not really, you know, helping me in any way. And I think I've come to realize that too, um, you know, take it slow. It's okay to stop and to slow down and breathe and, you know, take a minute to be mindful about what's going on in your environment. And even though you're having all of these, you know, racing thoughts in your head, you can still slow down and you, it's okay to be bored. And I think that's what I, when I realized too, it's okay to be bored. You don't have to be doing something 24 seven to feel accomplished. Right. Mm-hmm. How does um, mindfulness work for you? Is that actually something that does help? It's hit or miss. And um, I try to, uh, to do the mindfulness and especially with my thoughts, like letting them float down the river. Like that's kind of what I try to do. But things like yoga, like I'll stretch, but active yoga and mindfulness together, my brain is already distracted on something else. But at least I try um, because I enjoy it right? But I've heard that actually mindfulness and yoga sometimes doesn't help for people with ADHD. Like sometimes it makes them more stressed, right? And I, I, I assume that's why you're asking me that question. And um, it just depends on, you know, what's going on in, in the moment. And I, I try to, to make it a tool for me because I do enjoy doing it. But I, I recognize that sometimes it, it won't be helpful. And that's okay, too. And just, you know, letting I kind of think of it as essentially letting my thoughts come in and go out and come in and go out and being okay with it, if that makes sense. Not trying to, you know, forget them or trying to completely make them disappear, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked, I think it was actually the Headspace app that had given me that um, analogy of each thought passing by like a car on the road and you do not need to get in that car. You can just be okay to stand on the sidewalk and let them go and be very accepting. Like that's for me, the idea of mindfulness that works for me, uh, meditation, doing the deep breathing, it drives me absolutely insane. I can't do it. I can recommend it to clients and I can be very transparent about the fact that I'm a hypocrite when I recommend it, but for some people, they love it for me. It just doesn't work that way. My brain will be going. Uh, you know, so quickly and coming up with ideas and things that I got to write down and I need my phone and I should forgot to tell this person this. And I love this person. I should really talk to them sooner. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, sure. <laughs> it never ends. Did you know that some people don't have an inner monologue? Really? I, I like, that is just like surprising to me because I always have an inner monologue. Right. And I think my friend was actually telling me this before, like, we don't realize that we're different until we really realize we're different. And, um, you know, always telling my husband too, I'm just like, I constantly have thoughts going on in my head. And sometimes they're so loud that I just have to go lay down. Like, even if I'm sitting watching TV, they're so loud, I have to just go lay down. Wow. And sometimes, you know, he, he tries super great to try to understand, but I don't think he understands like what that actually means. 
And um, yeah, that's just interesting that people don't have an inner monologue. What do they think about? Like, they just, just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, it just goes silent. It's wild. Okay. So my husband, <laughs> now um, <laughs> have you ever used a muse headband? The muse headband goes like this and around your ears and it actually scans your brain. It's um, something I bought off the internet, of course, uh, but it does use you know, electromagnetic waves to try to scan how busy, how active your brain is. And so the more you can calm yourself and relax as it walks you through this, uh, this calming meditation, you will hear it change. So if your brain is very calm and settled, you'll hear the birds. And if you're having lots and lots of thoughts, it'll be like a thunderstorm. And so I've been trying, I've been practicing for about a week and I'm still like every few seconds, thunderstorm. Okay. Quiet thunderstorm, quiet. And it, it was incredible. Like you, I could have a soundtrack of this, how bad it was. My husband tries it and it's like birds the entire time. And I'm looking at him going, what the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) You have no thoughts. Are you okay? Are you there? (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) but it was incredible. Like what he is a person that when he relaxes, he can shut it off. Same with my husband. Like he, I I'm always like impressed of how quickly he can fall asleep. For example, I'm like, <laughs> up and he's sleeping. Meanwhile, I'm like ping pong balling all over the place with things that have gone on in the day or things I need to do and all that stuff. And don't go to bed till one o'clock. And he's just out like, like that. I'm like, how, how do you shut your brain off? <laughs> Please teach me your ways. <laughs> well, and that's, that's actually a common pairing as well. The people that tend to be the more creative, the more inattentive, the more kind of bouncing all over the place. We tend to really match well with people that are very measured. They are implementers. We have the ideas. They are the ones that go and put, you know, put the idea together for us that it's a good match. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So, so just as we're running out of time, I just wanted to go over as just some of the things that could help people. I know that there's a lot of podcast resources for people that have ADHD. I haven't found as much for imposter syndrome there. They more tend to be just the odd episode um, Mm -hmm. where people will talk about it. But one that I really like, or I used to listen to was called attitude magazine. So ADD attitude magazine has a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, They're great. I didn't know they had a podcast, but I've read like some of their articles online before. Yeah. 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 So they've got good stuff. And, and I love podcasts. I love the format because of course it's all about the stories. It's very relatable and you can kind of listen as you're going for a walk and gives you that entertainment that that most of us kind of need. Um, Another thing that you had mentioned is scheduling. Don't make a to-do list. To-do list do not exist. Schedule it. Otherwise it will not happen. Agree. Yeah. Um, Your bulletin board. Uh, using something, just choosing whatever it's going to be, whether it's a bulletin board, a whiteboard, something that that's where all your reminders go. Biggest uh, piece of advice is just to choose what it's going to be and stick with it. And then you'll never be worried about where everything went. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And are there any other sort of tips and tricks that you would, um, that you would offer for people that are struggling with this stuff? Um, I think, I think it's really comes down, like talking about mindfulness again, is just really not judging yourself and really starting to work on those thoughts where, you know, you may be hard on yourself. Like, don't say to yourself, oh, I'm not, you know, focused or I'm, you know, this is stupid or 
and really starting to look at those thoughts and those feelings and those behaviors and how they interconnect, right? And really starting to, to talk to someone about how that could affect you as well. And um, yeah, just, just focusing on those things and um, really start to do the research too. And, you know, talk to other people that may have it. Maybe they have other tips that they've been dealing with or helping them deal with their ADHD. And again, I'm still in the process of trying to figure what, what works for me and what doesn't work for me. Um, but yeah, so that's what I would recommend. Absolutely. It's so important to make sure that we are being kind to ourselves. And I would remind anybody that if you are going through something like this, sometimes a diagnosis is not really important. It's more so important to understand the symptoms and to treat those symptoms, but also to appreciate that your brain works a little bit differently than other people's. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. The people that are the most creative, the people that are most uh, the idea people, they are the ones that move us forward in this world. They are needed. They are necessary. They are the spark in people's lives, the inspiration. And so don't lose hope with yourself and appreciate what you have. Cause it's, it's important. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And just be okay with who you are and you know, make the, you know, make the world move with, with your creative juices. Oh yeah. <laughs> own it. Just own it. <laughs> All right. Well, I will let you go. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today and uh, appreciate your time and all your insight. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. Take care. Take care. Bye. Did you know that standing with your hands on your hips, chest pushed out, and chin up like a superhero is a good way to combat anxiety? And belly breathing a few minutes a day keeps us calmer so we can think clearly. Or what about using the wind method with someone you love to make sure your needs are met? With online sessions, you can learn skills like this with the therapists at Kelly Mental Health. It's going to be okay. We can help. To find out more.